0: Welcome to another episode of the Corporate Quitters Podcast. Today, we talk with Catherine O'Donnell, who is a co-founder in OP Creative Communications. And what Catherine does is she helps high net worth individuals donate their money to causes that matter the most to them. In this episode, we talk about her job, but we also talk about some inspirational things. Catherine didn't learn how to read until the fifth grade and she talks about obstacles overcoming those obstacles believing in yourself and navigating your way to success i think this is a very good episode for everyone and there's something that you will pick up and love connect with Catherine if you are a high net worth individual needing to donate your money to worthy causes she definitely can help thank you and enjoy the episode All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have with us Catherine O'Donnell. Catherine, tell us who you are and what are you doing to make the world a better place?
1: Yeah. Hi, Rob. It's great to be on here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, So I am actually a co-founder and CEO of a company called OP Creative Communications. And what we do is actually twofold, where we provide services to nonprofit organizations to help them with their branding, marketing, fundraising efforts. But then also we've now branched off and we provide services to high net worth individuals who are looking for nonprofits to give uh, donations to and to make a difference that way. So it's actually a win-win for both the individual who wants to make a difference, but then also, and they get that tax write off right away. And then also it helps the organization to stay afloat, keep their doors open provide services and programs to their communities so i'm really excited
0: okay so so let me see if let me see if i have a good understanding of what it is that you do and you you have to excuse me i'm a simple guy so if i paraphrase it wrong be sure to correct me but the first thing you do at your company is you 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 help rich people make an impact through their charitable donations right by finding places that they can donate to that line up with their passion and purpose.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Um, And that's really well said. And I would add on a little bit to that as well, that it's not just about finding something that they're passionate about. But I think that donors have gotten to the point where they don't quite trust the system anymore. They don't they have a hard time trusting the organizations. They wanna know where their monies are going uh, and that their funds are truly impacting their organizations uh, and the, the communities that they wanna serve. And so I'm actually working, I'm partnering with data scientists to be able to pull together information that the donor is looking to um, help kind of uh, add that transparency, that accountability that the organization is doing and we provide like personalized dashboards to the donors. So we're doing something a little different. This means that they can directly impact a community right away.
0: Ah, So if I say that I want to give a million dollars to a specific project, you will be able to make sure that that million dollars not only gets to where it needs to get to, but that it is used in a manner that is in line with the way I want it to be used. All right. So that sounds great. So the first thing I need to do is just get a million dollars then. (laughs) And then I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm halfway there. there. And so now the next thing you do is the second part was you help nonprofits kind of spread their message and get donations.
1: Yeah. So a lot of times nonprofits, they're really spread thin with staff, for instance. Uh, And especially during the pandemic, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this company during the pandemic was, uh, a lot of times you might go into an organization, they have different colors, they have different fonts, they have different, you know, a website that might not be current and their message doesn't really resonate with their community members uh, or their donors. And so what we do with OP Creative Communications is we help organizations really kind of um, bring things in, we make things more tight we, we help them with their messaging tagline website uh, marketing materials and then just their overall communications efforts too so they go so hand in hand the communications and the fundraising and you really need to have both to be successful
0: so almost like a stylist for an organization instead of for a person
1: hi yes kind of kind of that's a good way of putting it I never thought of that but I like it yes it's
0: it's like a style makeover. Remember the old shows that used to come on TLC, uh, "What Not to Wear," where you'd get this full-blown makeover, and now you're, you're not only do you look good, but you're also a better person because those shows used to work on the person. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you work on the brand, the style, the image, but also the people in the organization to help them do more with less, or yeah, more yeah,
1: exactly. And and you know, messaging is really important, and it's also about getting every everybody on staff so that they understand what those message points are. So you might have a potential client that's coming in who loves your work, but they also might have high capacity and they want to give. But if there are so many different messages com- coming and going, they don't know what to believe. They don't, you know, so it's not really a good way to cultivate them. If not, if everybody's not on the same page.
0: So, so now we, we know where you are now and we know yeah. what you're doing to impact the world. But it didn't start here, right? You didn't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you were a, uh, I I almost said a brand consultant for nonprofits, because that's almost (laughs) what it sounds like in my head. Right. right. Oversimplifying it, but again, I'm a simple guy. (laughs) It didn't start here. Tell me about uh, what it took to get you here where you are now.
1: Yeah, so... School was really difficult for me because I had a vision impairment and I actually didn't really even learn how to read until I was in fifth grade. And I used to see double vision. I would go to different specialists and nobody could really quite diagnose me. Uh, and so it was only at, you know, around fifth grade that I was finally diagnosed that then I could really just start, you know, honing in on, on everything that I had missed. And I had to work twice as hard as everybody else to catch up. And so it was, it was really difficult for me, but I think that what it did was that it gave me drive. It made me really want to succeed. It made me want to also show those people that didn't believe in me that I could do it, that I could be successful. But it was also a question of showing myself that I could do it. So it kind of gave this fire in my belly about, Hey, I can do this. I can be successful. And so, you know, I I graduated college, and then I, uh, I moved to San Francisco on my own and got a job as a development assistant working for a nonprofit organization that was already 17 years ago. And then I worked my way up from, you know, communication specialist, manager to a director of development and communications, where I'd been for 12 plus years. And then I decided that it was time to branch out on my own. And that's when I decided to start my own company with a business partner, Helen Bate. And we kind of just hit the ground running from there. So we co-founded the company together and we I'm now CEO and that's where I am.
0: You said that you had, um, you were uh, impaired. You had impaired vision. hmm How were you able to... Communicate that. I mean, if you didn't learn how to read until the fifth grade, surely that had to be a struggle for you as a child, but then also for your parents trying to figure out what's happening. So, talk about the moment or or the the series of moments leading up to you being able to fully express what was happening.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was one of those kids that, um, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but Um, when you'd be sitting in a classroom, everybody else would be moving their desks, but you're the only one that doesn't get a chance to move the desk because you have to be close enough to the board to be able to see it. So we made accommodations for me, but at the time I just saw them as, hey, I'm an outcast. I like, it really, I think hurt my confidence that way. But as a parent and now as a parent myself, when I've seen struggles happening with my own kids, I can completely understand what my parents were doing for me. So I, I mean I give huge accolades to my parents because they were my biggest advocates and the school system wasn't willing to make as many accommodations as they are now with people with learning disabilities or differences or uh, you know or whatnot. So at the time I was kind of just I was having to just go through the system as best as I possibly could. Uh, But you know, I would also get, my brother was three years older than I was in school and we went to the same schools. And so I would get the same teachers who would say to me, well, why can't you get this? Because your brother got it. Mm. And so that didn't of course help my confidence (laughs) either. And so I became my own person when I went to college and that was really helpful. But, you know, and and my brother is this brilliant person. And so uh, we just were very, very different. And we had different needs. And that was really challenging in school. So, you know, I I really, I learned that I had to just do whatever I could to not let things get in the way, just push forward and do as best as I possibly could. And I think I graduated with like 3.4 and just, ended up finding things that I really loved in college and it, it was a great experience for me.
0: Okay so now you know you you've talked about um, I guess having empathy for your own children now that you're a mom because of your experience. Right. Is there any advice that you would give to someone that you think that, that think they may have a child that has some sort of special need whether it be vision impairment, hearing impairment, what advice yeah. would you give someone else that might be facing, facing a similar situation?
1: I would say to all parents out there, don't quit, because uh, I've had challenges with my own children in education in ed- education system and, uh, and the challenges. And I remember going up to one of my son's teachers and saying, "You know, I'm his biggest biggest advocate." and she just looked at me and she said, "He's his own advocate, and she didn't talk to me for the rest of the year so i you know i just be the biggest advocate you can for your child and don't don't let things get in the way um don't let you know one personality get in the way of what your child's needs are um because the the system is very broken right now and everybody needs something and you know we've really lucked out this year we have some amazing teachers who Are willing to work with our kids. And, but you know, it's also about really breaking down communication. You have to really communicate what your child's needs are. And sometimes it's not something that the school system can offer, it's not something that the teachers can be there to help support your children. They might need other uh, forms of encouragement or, um, you know, something else that they just could really benefit from. So you have to really just. Keep that conversation going with your pediatrician to, you know, your school, your teachers, and just be there and be that voice for your kids because they don't know. And then communicate and communicate also with your kids and say, what do you need? And, And I think a lot of kids, it's amazing what they can really speak for themselves to. They can explain what they need as well, or you could pull things from them, of what they might've explained as, you know, this is difficult for me, or I'm having trouble with this, or, you know, I'm loving this subject and you focus on that subject so that it helps build their confidence. They don't hate school. You know, like there are certain things that parents can really do to to help things be better for their kids.
0: Yeah, yeah, And, and so now you make it to college and while in college, how was that now that you, you understand what your, uh, um, I guess, would it be fair to say disability?
1: They call it differences now.
0: Uh, Just, okay.
1: But yes, I mean, you can use disability, but I've learned actually it's uh, people use differences now.
0: Oh, find interesting. Difference. Yeah. So, you, so now you know what your differences are. Um how are you able to navigate the college environment knowing that you have differences?
1: Yeah. So the older that I became, the more I realized what exactly I needed. So I was one of those people who is is a very visual type of person. So uh, like reading textbooks, I needed to outline the textbooks with a highlighter. And then sometimes I would have to rewrite them so that I could really take the information in Um, and it's become less like that as I've gotten older, but at the time, the college system, just that worked well for me. And, but I had to know what worked well for me. And the older that I got, the more I became aware of, hey, that would work really well for me. I'm gonna try and implement that.
0: And I think that's, that's an extremely important point we all have things that work well for us in life and it's about experimenting and discovering what works well for us and then implementing whatever it is that works well for us. And so now after you graduate college, you 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 began working in development or you've been in development for most of your career. So what is development and why is it important? Because you hear the word development and not everyone knows what that is. So what is it and why is it important?
1: Yeah. So development is really about actually developing relationships. So it's also, it's about cultivating relationships to stewarding the donors that are already donating to the organization so that they don't feel left out, you know, that they feel really important. And it's really about the relationship aspect of an organization or about a foundation. Um, And so the development work, like for instance, when I first started, my development work was really about uh, working in uh, razor's edge, as you mentioned earlier, when we were talking uh, about that database and being able to pull reports, for instance, and uh, learning more information. We would also use something called Wealth Engine, Uh, so we could see who has capacity, Uh, but, you know, those people would be coming in the door, and I would start learning information about them, and it was about small things, and this is one of the things I've also posted on LinkedIn about is when you establish that relationship, it's not just about, hey, we we want money from you, it's really about who is this person, why are they interested in the organization, why do they want to give, and, what what drives them to want to give to the organization? So it's really about that cultivating of relationships with development.
0: Yeah, and, and you find that sometimes people have money and they just want to donate it. Sometimes people have money; they want to donate not only money but also their time, absolutely, you know, because they're 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 invested or vested in mm-hmm. a particular cause. Right. What's
1: a lot of times the volunteers are also those people who are going to turn into long-term donors for you. They might give on a monthly basis, they might give a large gift, but those are people who they get to be intimate with that organization. They get to know you and they get to know about why you do what you do within the organization to make a difference out in the community. And so they really see that up close. And those, It's because of that that drives them to want to give or give more time.
0: Yeah, I I think it's important that people know when you have a rich donor, it's not like they're just rich and they just give money, right? It's usually something that they're passionate about. And normally it's something they've maybe overcome in life or they have a friend that's overcome something and they want to donate to a cause to make sure that they can help other people. And and again, it's not just about the money. Some also donate time. Mm -hmm. Some donate uh, resources from their organization. Uh, There's a lot that goes into maintaining those relationships. That's why I like what you said earlier about it's, it's really about the relationship. So tell us, what is the coolest thing that you've done working in development?
1: The coolest thing I've done. Uh, let's see. When I worked for a nonprofit in San Francisco, we would have events, and I remember attending some of the events and meeting people like uh, the author Amy Tan, uh, and then also, you know that that allowed an opportunity to meet some other people who knew one of my heroes, uh, Jane Goodall. So I got a chance to meet Jane Goodall a couple of times. And uh, those, those are situations that just never go away. And I remember actually Jane Goodall said to me, hear your heart. And I, I was at this kind of uh, this crossroads in my professional career. And I remember hearing those words and I think it really kind of drove me to want to go in a certain direction because here one of my heroes said that and it made a huge impact on me. So I would say that that's like one of the coolest things too.
0: You, you just kind of alluded to you had a crossroads in your career. And I think as we work, we all get to those moments where there's some sort of crossroads and we just say, oh, you know, I've, I've got to quit. This is it. I call it the old quit moment. That moment where you know something is not right and you've got to go. So, what was your "oh, quit" moment?
1: So, what's interesting is is that you know I, I really felt like I learned so much information over the years of being in nonprofit organizations and also working in development and communications. And I've been so fortunate to have many mentors over the years. And I think what that "oh." Oh, moment was for me was when I didn't need as much uh, advice from um, my mentors or from other people because I knew the system so well, or I knew the works so well, but then it became this moment where people started coming to me and needing mentorship from me or they needed advice from me. And so that was kind of that moment where, okay, if I'm, if I'm at that stage in my life, then maybe I should be doing something more with it. And so that's where I've kind of pivoted to then starting my own business.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think it's always interesting to hear people's story and how they came to start their own business. Yours is more like what I would call the, uh, the Mr. Miyagi moment. I don't know if you remember karate kid where, you know, you're training and you're training. And then all of a sudden the student has become the master. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about how you planned the transition. What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah. So my family actually decided to move from the Bay area and we moved to Massachusetts. And it was in that moment where I, um, I was doing some consulting on the side, but you know, I, I wanted to do more and uh, really felt like by starting my own business that it would allow me the opportunity to help more organizations. But out of this whole thing of helping nonprofits, there's been this kind of additional arm that there is a significant need for helping high net worth individuals find and vet organizations to give to, I think. You know I, I heard somebody say that Elon Musk was not wanting to give to organizations because he didn't trust it uh, so you know we have to find a way to build back that system and we have to find a way for organizations to be able to uh, you know showcase their work but also uh, be vetted in a way that allows them to, to tell their story and for them to show transparency and accountability so you know I've out of this whole thing, I've really found that there is this niche that people need this. And so that's why I've also been running with it as well.
0: And in your business, how do you build that trust?
1: Yeah, I'm not one of those typical salespeople. I think this is where it comes with so many years of being in development and establishing the relationships. Like for instance, some of the high net worth individuals that I have, uh, Established relationships with over the years i 'm still connected with them, and actually two of them I just spoke to in the last couple of weeks. so when I establish relationships it 's a long term investment for me like I really enjoy getting to know people I enjoy getting to know them about you know what drives them, what makes them tick uh, what they like what they don 't like about their family. I mean, it's really all about that establishing relationships and that matters to me. So, you know, when people work with me, I'm about the relationship side and helping them figure out what matters to them.
0: What is is one thing about high net worth individuals that everyone else would be surprised to know?
1: Some of them are the most down to earth, amazing people.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. Um, it, most people don't know that I spent a lot of time working in education and uh, talked to a lot of development officers. And you would see these people come in just as casual as can be, uh, wearing non-assuming clothing, driving just your regular everyday car. And you look, you know, you see them in the system, and see that they're worth billions. You know, I skip yeah. the M, right? I skip the millions. You'd see <laughs> some of them will be worth right. billions. Right. Um, right. You know, and they would just come up to you and sit down and have a chat like yeah. anything else.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I think it's important to 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 understand it. They're just people yeah. like everyone else.
1: Absolutely, and a lot of times, you know, they're looking for people that are real. Who you know, and and I think that some of the people that I've also been very familiar with they're looking to be seen as a person, not as somebody who has high capacity. And you know, they, they want to have friendships, they want to, but they also, they feel like they, they need that of um, somebody just wanting to know who they are and uh, versus how much money they have. And I think that people can mistake that, especially being in development. They try so hard to, to get that donation that they miss getting to know the person. And so I think that that's kind of what separates me is that I want to get to know the person and I want to help the person and then ultimately help the nonprofit. And then it's this win-win because everybody is making a difference and we're doing it together.
0: So I can expect you to treat me like a human, not like a checkbook.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I think that's, That's really key. And one other thing that I wanted to just mention is you know, when I'm working with and partnering with these data scientists who can really pull information, they can work directly with the nonprofits to be able to pull information that's not just the 990s, but they can work directly with the organization to say, pull additional data sets for them. Um, And that will allow the organization to provide these dashboards of, you know, that also it's like for those people who really love data, that's great. But there are some people who just get so uh, scared off by data that we also provide a story to go along with the data so that it really shares what, you know, what impact this organization is making.
0: And so you mentioned data scientists so let 's take a step back because we 've not talked about your approach to uh, matching and reporting to the donor. You use a unique data science based approach. Talk about that a little bit
1: so one of the things that I noticed when I was in nonprofit was I have to really establish this uh, this trust with the donors from the ground up and so I would always come in with kind of this fresh pair of eyes and say, "Okay, um, what we're going to do is we're going to come up with a strategy for the year, and our strategy is going to be like, for instance, I worked for an animal welfare organization one time, and our goal was to get to to help save eight hundred animals from January first to December thirty first of that year. So I started communicating more with the donors and." I also wanna just show progress. So what I did was I showed the same time of year from the previous year to where we are now. And with donor support, they were seeing that every quarter they were receiving a newsletter, what our progress was. And it was because of their donations that we were able to do what we were able to do. So I've now done that with every place that I've been at. And my whole goal was to show transparency and accountability. And to help people trust what we're doing with their donor dollars is is truly what we are trying to do. So now that I own my own company, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to help organizations to show their transparency and accountability. And there are certain services that they can use. However, some of them are really uh, lagging in time. They might be, you know, um, 990s, IRS 990s from you know, 2019. Well, what happened to 2020? So it's more up-to-date information. Um, and then also people can give directly to the organization and it's going to impact the organization right away and also give, help give that tax write-off.
0: Ah, so if I am working with you, you will help me to find an organization that suits my need You will cultivate a relationship with me. And then after that, you'll give me reporting that allows me to look at the progression of of how I'm making an impact as a donor to an organization.
1: Absolutely. But then also there is one missing piece to that uh, that's perfectly stated. Uh, It's also about cultivating the relationship with the nonprofit organization because you're never going to get a full story of what the organization is up against just by data. Like you have to really understand what's happening within that organization, but say a high net worth individual comes to me and says, look, like I really wanna donate to this organization, but I really feel like I need more information. Can you help? And I would say, sure, let's facilitate with the organization. I'll get as much information as possible. And then we can work with the data scientists to at least put some of that into data, but then we can also get some other information of their highs, lows, what their challenges are, You know, and and then bring that back to the high net worth individual and say, look, this is this is where they're at.
0: Now, if I want to work with you, how can I find you? Where are you? Website, social media, phone number. Where can we find you?
1: So I have a website. It's uh, www.opcreativecommunications.com. And then also through LinkedIn and through my my private personal page. Uh, And I also post a lot of tips for donors and uh, also nonprofit organizations to help both.
0: All right, awesome. Any final words for our audience?
1: I think as I've gotten older, I've really realized how important this is. And it's not specific to just business, but it's also about personal life. And it's that analogy that you step onto an airplane and the airline Personnel ask you to, if in an emergency, to put the oxygen on yourself first. And I kept thinking when I was younger, I was like, no way, I'm going to help everybody else before myself. Well, you can't do that. Like, you need to help yourself. You have to give oxygen to yourself before you can help everybody else. And it's the same thing with life you have to give oxygen to yourself before you can help others. And it's one of those things that I think is really helpful for people to remember that because there are so many challenges. There are so many obstacles and barriers uh, that you have to to get through, whether it's personally for yourself or your family or, uh, or at work, but just remember that taking care of yourself is what's gonna give you that oxygen to thrive.
0: All right. And I think we'll end it there. Thank you for uh, participating in the Corporate Quitters podcast. We Thank will you, have Rob. a link to all of Catherine's information in the show notes, in the show description. So you'll be able to find her, reach out to her and she can hook you up with a nice nonprofit, especially if you are a high net worth individual. Great.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I really appreciate it. It's been an honor.
0: Thank you for listening to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. If you like us, tell everybody you know. Better yet, head on over to the iTunes store and leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds. I can do it with my eyes closed and both hands tied behind my back. So what are you waiting for? If you want to talk to us, leave us a voice message. You might be featured on the show. Check the link in the show notes. Want to carry us wherever you go? Check out the merch on our website. Get your I quit, O oh quit, or just plain quit stuff there. If you really, really like us, you can become a monthly contributor for less than a cup of coffee. Link is in the show notes. And last but not least, quit those limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And we're out.